This podcast is brought to you by BrunerAcademy.com, your online resource for the best public speaking, presentation, storytelling skills courses. Become a rock star communicator in any setting. Visit BrunerAcademy.com. My guest today on Live Your Best Life with Liz Bruner says, Life is a lot like math. It's a simple idea, but it gets complicated. Boy, does it ever. It gets complicated, she says, because we live in fear and false perceptions about ourselves. A former mathematician and now a transformational coach, Amy Wong has made it her mission to help people thrive and live a life on purpose. Amy, welcome to my podcast. Oh, Liz, I am so delighted to be here. Thank you so much for having me. You are welcome. Amy, you believe that we all have one superpower that can transform our lives and help us live on purpose, and it is the word choice. It is the pivotal action step required to live the life each of us was born to live. How does choice make a difference? Choice, it's everything. The quality of our experience, of our life, is the sum total of all the choices that we're making. Mm -hmm. We tend to focus a lot on choice at the level of action, and we think that's where it's all at. Yes, choice at the level of action, such as, should I go to the gym or should I sit on the couch and eat a bag of chips and watch reruns of Seinfeld? Should I choose to be kind to my neighbor or should I choose to just react? I mean, like we're making choices yeah. and those choices are important, absolutely. Yeah. But really where the superpower is, is choice at the level of perception because we're inputting all this stuff and we interpret what it is that we're inputting and we get to choose our interpretation. And so where the real unlock is for thriving is harnessing choice at the level of interpretation. So it's a big conversation. And you write about it in your book, Living on Purpose, Five Deliberate Choices to Realize Fulfillment and Joy. And really, it's a guidebook to help each of us sort of move away from those self-imposed limitations or limiting beliefs and towards a path of intention, just to use the word that you used a moment ago. Let's tackle each one. Choice number one is to choose to feel it out, not figure it out. What does that mean? I love this. This is such a game changer. Well, what this all is about is first recognizing that everything that we're up to, everything that we want, it's actually not for the thing. We've got goals, we got desires, we have vision boards, we have aspirations, and we get so caught up in our goals and goal achievement, and we want to achieve and achieve and achieve, and we think that's where it's all at. But the truth is, everything we want, everything we think we want, it's the feeling we think we would have as a result of the thing. But we don't usually take it that far. We usually stop at the thing. And I'm certain it's how we were conditioned as kids, which was go to school, get good grades. If you get good grades, you'll make your parents happy, get into a good college, get a good job so you can make lots of money, make lots of money. So then you have a good life. And supposedly you're happy. <laughs> yeah. And makes you happy. So follow the formula. And yeah. so we get really good at following the thing, which is akin to figuring mm. it out. I'm going to figure out how to get the thing. And so often what's happening is that we will be in process of figuring out our lives, figuring out what's next, figuring out, do we take this job or that job? often forsaking the feeling right? because we just haven't focused on, well, what is it that I want to feel? What this first choice is all about is 
getting clear with ourselves, hold on, what's this all about? What's most important? And now if I get clear on what I want to feel, not what do I want to achieve, all of a sudden what you perceive starts to shift a little bit because now that what you want to feel is illuminated, possibilities and options and new ways of going about things all of a sudden start to emerge. So it kind of feels magical, but it's not magical. It's just that your perception shifts because of what you're now aware of. Right. So we want to start navigating differently because when we can feel out our choices and follow inspiration versus a good idea, that is the shortest non-resistant path to the most abundance. Mm. Choice number two, you say, choose to know that there is no way things or you should be. In fact, you say that the word should is the worst word in the world. <laughs> yes, it is the worst word in the English language. All of us are conditioned to use it and we think that it's helpful. We think that it serves us. If we were to just take stock real quick, be like, well, how does it feel when you get should on? Does it feel good? No. You should really eat more vegetables. You should <laughs> wake up earlier. You should get more sleep. How does that make you feel? It's like, Ugh. should, 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 should. Right? It makes us feel guilty and burdened and it's not a great feeling. And so then you have to ask, well, should according to who? Yeah. Who? The big idea here is that should implies a fixed reality out there that represents the ideal life. There's this should standard out there in the sky. It's like, okay, if you're going to do it right, if you're going to live the good life, you got to do it just like this. That standard does not exist. There yeah. is no fixed ideal out there that we need to measure ourselves up against. Yeah. But yet we hold ourselves underwater to this imaginary ideal. <sighs> and the bigger conversation and the reason it feels bad, and this is the big aha, is that when we use should, we are actually focusing on avoiding negative consequences more than we are reaching for what we really want. Anytime you're using should, I should go to the gym. Well, <laughs> if you're using should, you're not focused on your health. What you're focused on is you feel fat in your clothes right now. I should go to the gym. If we really want to begin to thrive, we want to reclaim all the bandwidth we use in pushing against the stuff we don't want. Mm -hmm. All of those resources that are used up in resistance, oh my gosh, we, I can actually navigate in way more productive, efficient, and really nourishing ways if I focus on what I want, not what I'm trying to avoid. Yeah. So, so much in that, but hands down, should is no good. <laughs> okay. Choice number three, choose to know that it's always working out for you. And you go on to ask the reader to consider, what if the shadows of the human experience, such as pain, loss, failure, or misfortune, are always on purpose? They're serving a purpose. Amy, that's a really hard concept for a lot of people to grasp. Absolutely true. And that's why this is a choice. Yes. I find it helpful to take a step back and say, look at this plane of existence that we are on. Our existence is predicated on duality. We cannot have light without dark. We cannot have birth without death. We cannot have up without down. We cannot have joy without pain. Joy does not exist as a concept without its opposite to let it be distinct in experience. Everything about our experience is dualistic. Mm -hmm. Now, as humans, we are going to experience life and we are going to have hardship. We are going to have pain. We are going to bump up against the unexpected. 
There is going to be tragedy. There is going to be upset. That's just the life process. Where we get stuck and where we can work against ourselves is thinking that there's only one way to grow. And that is focusing on the things that are wanted. I planned for that. That's what I was choosing. So I grew on purpose. I mm -hmm. chose this. But guess what? We grow on accident too. Mm -hmm. And all the stuff that we didn't plan for, that we didn't want, that was painful. Sure, we could look at it as unwanted because we didn't plan for it. But guess what? We grow from this just as much as we grow from on purpose stuff. Mm -hmm. And so like I, I planned for this, I didn't plan for that, but we grow equally. We can't change the fact that this is a dualistic plane of existence. We cannot change the fact that the unexpected is gonna come and sideswipe us. Yeah. But what we can do is decide to frame it in a way that we can see it and ask instead, why is this happening to me? Well, how might this be happening for me? Yeah. I love the distinction of those two things. Choice number four says, choose to know that you are already complete. And choice number five is choose to know, not believe your worth. Of those two, to know that you're yeah. complete, choose to know that you are a valuable human being. I think those two are very much in, in sync with one another. They are. And there's a distinction. It's subtle, but it's extremely powerful. Number four, choose to know that you're complete. That's a choice. Now, a lot of us are on this search for more and search for bigger because we're trying to fill a hole. What's this hole? Oftentimes it maps back to that I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I need to prove that I belong here at the table. I need to prove that I belong in this job. I need to prove that I'm good enough. That need to prove has us searching and unfulfilled. Mm -hmm. To choose that you're already enough changes your relationship to this proving game that most of us are stuck on, which frees us up for so many better ideas and, and just a bigger ability to have bigger impact. There is a distinction between believing and knowing, mm -hmm. and this is a big one here. Now, why do I really narrow in on this? Because if we stop at the level of belief, okay, I'm going to believe that I'm good enough. I'm going to believe that I'm worthy. I'm going to believe that I'm competent. Belief requires proof. <laughs> and so what happens is if you stop at the level of belief, like I believe I'm good enough, you actually have to go on a search to kind of validate that claim because of the nature of proof and belief itself. To truly transcend this proving paradigm trap that many of us are stuck on that have us chasing, chasing, chasing unfulfilled is to get beyond that proving paradigm. Well, how do you do that? You have to choose to know. Now, knowing is a choice and it's usually despite the conditions. It's really powerful and it's so freeing mm -hmm. when you get the difference and you actually choose to know versus believe. You yourself have had to learn to live by all five of these choices because there was a time in your life when you had your own fair share of suffering, even coming from a loving family. Your parents owned a nightclub, but at age three, you were dropped off at daycare for the first time, which is not unusual. <laughs> However, you write that that was perhaps the most significant defining moment in your life. Why? Because it's my very first memory, a very intense feeling of being a burden. Us humans are hardwired to be in connection with one another, to find survival in connection. We're doing whatever we can to seek connection and avoid rejection. Now, in my very young years, it was the first experience mm -hmm. of significant perceived rejection from my mama. I was with my mom all the time <laughs> and I loved it. I was so happy. Now my poor mom, she's thinking, oh my gosh, this child's in a bar. She's three. 
She needs to be around other kids. My mom did what any well-meaning mother would do. And I needs to be in a preschool, needs to be in a daycare. <laughs> I'm three. I don't understand that. All I experience is, oh my gosh, my mom doesn't want me anymore. <gasps> and in order to make sense of that experience and the pain of that rejection, which literally maps to physical pain in the brain, I had to make a decision. I must be a burden. And that right there is the birth of false limiting beliefs. And you know what? All of us, we go through this. Yes, we do. It's those very significant experiences of rejection that in order to make sense of it, we'll make a decision about ourselves mm -hmm. so that we can therefore navigate to avoid it moving forward. What's so interesting too, though, is how that all carried through to by the time you're age 15, you descend into having an eating disorder. And you write that by day, you were anorexic, bulimic by night. And that lasted for six years. When did the mm. healing finally begin for you? And how do you view those challenging years today? So my best friend through those years was always by my side. We were both math majors at UC Berkeley. She refused to let on that she knew I was suffering because she knew deep in her heart that I would shut down and shut her out most likely. So she didn't want to take that risk. But there was, there was an opening one day and I think she just saw that I was, I just, my spirit was so depleted and I was so on hanging by threads. Really where the healing began was when there was real vulnerability. And I was unable to be vulnerable up until this point. And when she had shared with me something, something that was so significant that she had been holding on to, it broke me open. Mm -hmm. It was in my releasing of the secret to her and it being received so lovingly that it took all of its power away. So when we open up and become vulnerable and we share yeah. and we are heard, revealing that shame and that secret takes all of its power away. Yeah. And that's exactly when the healing began, which truly was magnificent. And so now today I look back at this and while those were the hardest and darkest years of my life and I would never wish it on anyone, I mean, it truly, truly hard and painful. And I look back on it with nothing but gratitude mm. because if it wasn't for that journey that I had gone on, I wouldn't have the powers of reflection I have now. I wouldn't understand the human spirit in the way that I do. I wouldn't be doing what I do today. Yeah. I wouldn't be who I am. That's why going back to the third choice, back then it didn't feel like it was working out. But now when I look back, I'm like, oh my gosh, that right. was so integral to who I am today. Such hindsight. I see it as a gift, really. Yes. Speaking of hindsight, by many people's standards, you had achieved so much. You were a huge success. You had this prestigious math degree from University of California, Berkeley. You had an awesome job in Silicon Valley, a fabulous marriage, lovely home and family, and yet something was missing for you. In one word, what was missing? I would have to say self-love. Mm. It wasn't that I actively wasn't loving myself. I just wasn't being honest in the way that one would be when they truly know themselves. I wasn't being honest with who I was. That It was awakening up to who I was at the core. What I find so interesting about that and that wakening up also is because there's another pivotal moment in your life. It's in August of 2008. It's after the birth of your first child and your maternity leave is about to end and you have an authentic, honest moment with yourself and you make the decision that, wait a minute, I don't think I want to go back powerful, authentic, honest reflection. Yes. Oh my gosh. It was hard because 
I had been following the formula so well, <laughs> you know, and I'm going to get those good grades and I'm going to be successful. And so my entire identity and what I thought was my worth was my achievements. It was so ingrained now that I had Aiden, who is this precious baby boy, he caused me to question everything mm -hmm. because I couldn't go back to that when I had this, but it wasn't that I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom per se. It caused me to wake up, who the heck am I then? Yeah. If I am not my job and I'm not my titles and I'm not my achievements, who am I? And that was the big wake up. Well, there are a lot of steps that took you from that wake up, but it led you down the path to now being a transformational leadership coach. A lot of people, I think, are reassessing their lives because of COVID. You were doing this long before COVID. But I think the challenge, Amy, often is that many people would rather stick with what we know rather than dare to go do something new and something different. So what advice would you give people who might feel like they're stuck like that? It reminds me of that quote, doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's really where a lot of us get stuck. I'm just going to keep doing the thing, hoping to feel different one day. Maybe something will change. We're afraid of, of uncertainty. We don't want to venture into something that's unknown. My firm hypothesis is because we're deeply afraid of failure. Failure kind of connects to rejection, which maps to death. Beyond a cognitive level, we have this aversion to uncertainty and the unknown because my life might be at stake here, which logically, when you kind of think about it, it's silly, but that's where we go. So how do we not go there, Amy? What's the advice? How do we not go there? You've done a pretty good job up until now, right? Wouldn't you agree that you're pretty resourceful? Yeah. Wouldn't you agree that you're pretty resilient? Yeah. Don't you agree that you got some good skills and you got, you got a good head on your shoulders? Yeah. Yeah. So what makes you think that this one time is going to be the time you just totally fall off the plank? <laughs> because guess what? It always works out, doesn't it? <laughs> it's going to work out and it's going to be great. So why this time mm -hmm. is it just going to all fall apart and you'll lose it? Sorry, I'm not going to subscribe to that. And so it's really looking at it logically. Yeah, it's a great way to process that. There's another question that I love that you share in the book of something that you ask of your clients, which is, what are you most afraid others might find out, decide, or think about you? How do we get to the authentic answer of that question? <laughs> this is the ultimate question. And it's one of my favorite questions because it's my backdoor way into people's true fears. So to really truly answer this question, you have to put your brilliant logical brain to the side and <laughs> listen to your survival brain just for a moment. I joke with folks, I'm like, okay, look, to be clear, like this is one of the only times I'm going to have you listen to your fear-based brain rather than your, your logical one. This is a way of identifying what you believe about yourself. Because whatever you answer with, you believe that it's true and you are afraid that it's true. Otherwise, it wouldn't come up and pop up on the radar. Right. And sometimes that's an unconscious feeling that they don't even know exists. Exactly. This gives us an opportunity to see it clearly. <gasps> Whoa, I am choosing to believe that I'm not worthy. Oh my gosh, or I am choosing to believe that I'm not good enough. So that's a big aha. You know, what I love about that too, though, is that I think understanding all these concepts is one thing, but practicing them is a whole nother story. And you write about catching ourselves, catching yes. ourselves when we're in that moment of what we think 
may not be true. It's like that limiting belief. What advice do you have for us about how to catch ourselves? What I have found is that it's not super easy to catch your thoughts, to monitor your thoughts and to monitor the narrative. I mean, you can do that. I mean, our minds are crazy. I'm, we're thinking about all things all the time. And I mean, don't you feel that, Liz? Like yes, once you're like, totally. you're thinking about your to-do list and then you're, then you're thinking about like what happened three weeks ago. And then all of a sudden you're, you're th- it's just, we're all over the place. So I encourage people to try not to catch at the level of thought. What I invite other people to is, hey, look, why not care deeply about how you feel each moment? Because how you feel really is representative of what you're focusing on. Step one, you decide to care about how you feel. Then step two is it's a little bit easier to catch when you're not feeling empowered, when you're not feeling great. And I call it a game because it's fun. Like this whole game of thriving, of, of claiming the life we were born to live, I want it to be fun. It doesn't have to be hard, but we have to look at it kind of like, hey, you know what? I can do this. And so I'm going to care about how I feel and I'm going to catch when I'm not feeling great. Let that be a cue. Oh, I might be using a should here. Oh, (laughs) like I might be believing something negative about myself because really it's a matter of our focus. Whatever we're focusing on determines how we're feeling, right? So what is it that I'm focusing on? Oh yeah, okay. I'm shooting all over myself right now. Okay, I'm not gonna do that. Or, oh, I'm totally attending to this idea that I might not be worthy right now or competent in this moment. Wait, 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 hold on. And then using the tools that I spell out, you can come right back. But catching is the key. And what that takes is a sensitivity to how you feel, just deciding you're going to be more sensitive to how you feel. And two, just decide you're intolerant of feeling crappy. And if you decide that, then you can catch it. Folks, if you want to learn more about Amy's book, Living on Purpose, Five Deliberate Choices to Realize Fulfillment and Joy, you can also look her up on her website, learn more about her and her work. It's called alwaysonpurpose.com. That's alwaysonpurpose.com. Amy, I'm so glad you were my guest today and sharing with us that that's when the magic happens, when we make the choice, and it is a choice, to realize who we are on the inside. Thank you so much. Liz, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. And thanks to all of you for listening in. And know that transformation choices are voluntary. You get to make that choice day in and day out. That is your superpower to live your best life. Until next time, be well. This podcast is brought to you in part by Fast Twitch Media, helping people tell their stories and giving them worldwide reach. The future is in the cloud and Fast Twitch Media can take you there. Be your best digital self. Check out fasttwitchmedia.space.